Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome, this is Cincy Brewcast. You are hopefully a craft beer drinker that loves everything about Cincinnati beer. Uh, it doesn't even have to be Cincinnati beer. If you like craft beer, this is probably the show for you, but it just so happens that here in Cincinnati, we've got um, a metric shit ton, as I like to call them, of great breweries. I... Um, we were talking about this before the show, but I just spent the week in Columbus. And Columbus, I love you, and you've got some good beer, but um, it doesn't even hold a candle to what's going on here in Cincinnati. And I feel way more confident this week saying that than I would have any other week. Um, we are live. Well, I mean, we're live. The show is not live. Um, you're listening to this probably in a week or so. Um, at Paradise for the inaugural bottle release um, the first bottles that have ever been released with little hats, as far as I know. I guess I shouldn't say that without The hats have got you, don't they? I, you just can't. I love the hats. Everybody, <laughs> it's not just me. Everybody that sees that for the first time is like, oh my God, uh, where are the little hats? Um, <laughs> Jeff Graff, got the old man. Um, it's been a while since you've been on the show, especially on an actual microphone. Sometimes you're in the background and you can hear you, you know, kind of... That's because I sit and drink. <laughs> that's, that's what I do, too. Perfect. <laughs> Just on a microphone. <laughs> and we'll, we'll probably be joined by uh, by Chef Tony again, and uh, maybe Andy Clausen will jump in here. And we'll see. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the cast of characters will uh, entail by the time the show is over. Um, well, I mean, let's, let's, let's start off simple. We're here for... A beer, a really good beer, and I think we should talk about that first. From the beer fridge. See that? It's like a professionally produced show. Um, <laughs> Wrath of the Tsar, which this is not the first time we've had this on the show. This Correct. is the first time we have had this on the show, though. So Correct. We've had the non-barrel-aged version, um, and it was probably about a year and a half ago or so, I think, without looking at my notes, which aren't pulled up. Right. I like to fly by the seat of my pants. Um, <laughs> this is the barrel-aged version, though, which was aged, what did we say? Eight months. Eight months. Mm-hmm. In, um, On, uh, they were uh, one-shoes, Seagram, 10-year-old Seagram barrels, whiskey barrels. We had two of them. Uh, I obtained them from uh, a very... Uh, good source of mine that happens to be my relative uh, brother. Uh, John sourced two of them to me and we immediately filled them with the only thing that really made sense to put in it at the time and that was some big, heavy uh, overly alcoholed beer to begin with so that's why we picked the czar out. So. And, and it's fantastic. It, yeah. Ten and... Ten and a half percent, somewhere around there. Correct. Uh, we had it tested uh, by the friendly people of Sam Adams, and thank, thank goodness for those guys and their help, uh, which they always do a great job. But um, we had it test. We put it in the barrels at about eight and a half, eight and a half percent ABV. But we had it tested in th- uh, three months later, and sent some samples out to Sam Adams, and they came out, came back with. One one came out at ten point seven percent, and the other one came back at ten point four percent, and then we blended them both back. Although I did not at the final um, uh, send them back to Sam Adams, but being blended back. Plus we had some some uh, other stock that we had just to re up on the barrels to make sure that they were full. Right. That didn't have any type of. Uh, barrel treatment at all, so we blended those back as well at the time. So we were taking a stab at it. It's going to be very, very close to 10.5%. So the hats, where did this idea come from? <laughs> well, uh, 
it really all comes from uh, the. Ri- Sorry, the Ushankas. Ushankas. Uh, yeah, that, yeah that's, that's not, actually what they're called. Just a little well, hat. we we. Uh, I actually just came up with my one of my favorite favorite movies is the uh, Hunt for Red October, with uh, Sean Connery in it, and they wear them quite often in that movie. And I thought that was. Um, that would be a great thing if I could possibly tie that back into any beer that we made and just happened to be the Russian theme that we went with to put in the barrel. So it just kind of bl- blended in very well. I like to think of it more as the, the Rocky Five beer because, <laughs> you know, when you, when, you, when you slide the little hat off, yes. there's an American flag bottle cap that on there. That is correct. That. Yeah, we put our little slant on it, yes. I, would, I, I, uh, I hope everybody likes it. I'm sure they will. The... Uh, the hats, although we tried to put a little bit of hot glue on them to stick them down on there, it's hard to do that to a to a bottle cap anyway. So right. they, they kind of slide around. They sit on okay. Yeah, they, they, they do. They, you know, so people are going to drink these beers. Um, I, I wonder if everybody's going to leave the hats on when they put them in their beer cellar. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I know. From uh, we had a, a early re- release to our mug club members that are here in the tap room, <clears throat> and um, they were able to get. A, a, a pre-buy yesterday and before the hour was out after we released it there was things showing up on facebook yeah just wow. just like you can't believe like hey you know they had them all announcing and everything but <laughs> I, it, it will be great to see where the hats end up oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> I, I mean but we'll keep it clean here everybody but i, I would like to uh you know if they if they one guy said he's buying two of them no kidding he was going to put them on the ears of his dog <laughs> to take a picture and let him walk around with those little hats on his, on the dog's ears. Now that, I don't know. We'll see how it looks. It might be pretty cool. I, I don't know. So as far as the future goes for, for bottle releases with Paradise, yeah. you guys, I mean, we'll talk about how different this place is, too, mm-hmm. because um, I think if... Somebody had come in and said, "Oh, you know, they're going to have this this really great bottle release with these little hats, and right. uh, you know, five hundred bottles were, were you know came out of the two barrels. You know, right? A couple of years ago, that would have been unheard of for you guys to be able to do something like that. You, Correct? You couldn't keep up with. We could not. No, just the, the no minimal way. taps that you guys had. <clears throat> right? Mean, how many taps were before this expansion? Was it? Oh goodness, we had, uh, four. Four. I mean, four to go from four to yeah, uh, thirteen now, 13 with, now. The, with the nitro tap. Yeah. I mean. That's a that's a that's a big jump in 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 production too. So oh yeah, so I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself here. So <laughs> the future of of packaging so that's going to come here, you know, I, is this going to be a regular kind of event that we see bottle releases that kind of thing, or is this just a really kind of one off special? Maybe you know once a year or something. Uh, <clears throat> If we had it our way, uh, we would do more of it more quickly. Um, that is, our our goal is to to bring out a bottle release maybe a couple times a year right. rather than just once. But yes, the the plan is to do it at least once a year. I don't know. We set the bar pretty high with the little hats. I don't know if we can come up with anything that's even close to that. I've but. got this whole series of little <laughs> little hats on different uh, bottles. I see. Okay. Well, of. we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> How many bottles did that generate? Well, we actually pulled thir- uh, 15 gallons off of it for the tap room so that we didn't, you know, everybody okay. could have it here when we released it. But uh, we came up with 466 22-ounce bottles. So, uh, but... Because of fears of everything else, too, we we uh, held some of them back in case we had some breakage or something like that. But uh, 
Uh, we were down this morning to about uh, 320. So, but we still have them now. So we, okay. you know, they can. As, as far as when this airs, whether we still have them or not, they can give the brewery a call or, you know, uh, stop out and see us, and we'll let you know whether we still have it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I imagine they will last through today. Yeah. Uh, you guys are open again tomorrow, though. Correct. And uh, yeah. everybody's going to be buying them tomorrow. And <laughs> as as days goes on, it becomes easier for you to get more than your allotment if you're in more than once. Right. So, yeah, so, it's possible. Um, I, I, I don't imagine they're going to stick around for a very long time. I, so. I would say, yeah, at tops a week. So if you... Don't get this out for a week. Sorry. <laughs> so, everybody listen. You get to enjoy this beer yeah, despite our voices yeah, alone. Right. It's um, really, really good. So I'm and I'm drinking it right now, so let's <laughs> let's talk about it. Right. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful imperial. Oh, where are you taking my beer? That's, well, this is what happens I, when you put the old man on mine. It. Yeah, he it's is. Good. <laughs> it's it's big, it's chocolatey, it's yeah. uh it's roasty, mm-hmm. it's but then it's got this real great smooth vanilla kind of um Candy almost going right. on too. Like it's 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 definitely boozy, but it's not. Well, that was so. all picked up from the barrels themselves. That was great. They were great barrels. There was, you know, we actually when we got them because it was a day or two before we filled them, we actually um, kept them wet. We put them in little kiddie pools and kept pouring hot water over and make sure all the wood was swelled and everything. But all that. We didn't use any chocolate in it. No, no baker's chocolate. No anything like. We did use a little bit of chocolate malt. But that that vanilla portion of it in the aroma and also the flavor that was all from the barrels. Well, and it it does almost have like a like a cocoa powder kind yeah. of chocolatey thing going yeah, on. Yeah, it's is, a lot more chocolate than you would think. I've had it, I've had plenty of beers with a bunch of cocoa powder dumped in them that right. I do not like. Right, and right. This is, I mean, it's it's fantastic. Chef Tony just joined us. Hey, hey, um, hey! What are, what are you drinking? <laughs> Uh, well, what do you think I'm drinking? So, well, <laughs> conveniently enough, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, tell right. tell us, what, tell us what you think about it. Um, well, <laughs> let's put it this way. When we, we went to make the sausage with it last week, we, we, we were like, okay, how much can we actually put in this and get away with keeping the rest of it <laughs> so we can drink it? <laughs> it's, it's fantastic, and it, cool. it, like, it really does showcase... That, that that barrel character with right. it, with it still supporting the beer. And I was surprised that it actually did that as well as it did because you know sometimes on darker beers you get that roastiness that really comes through, and I was I was glad to see that it mellowed out really well with what what was going on with it. So. Well, and, and like you said, it sets the bar pretty high for yeah, future does, releases. And that and the I, little hats. I see some barrels <laughs> sitting in the other room with uh, what looks like yes. a little bit of uh, wine residue on them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, you want to tell us about those? Well, uh, you guys those have will... the disadvantage in a brewery like this that you can't hide things from no, people. Like no, everybody sees no everything. back room or anything <laughs> like that. Although there's a one of our customers, uh, I'll mention him by the name Shane Brammer. He always thinks that we have some type of secret stash <laughs> in the back room that will all of a sudden bring out the surprise. Everybody, that doesn't happen. It really, it really doesn't happen. Uh, but yes, Shane, the other yes, it does. <laughs> Just when Shane is not here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what he thinks anyway. Um, but the the other barrels that we got, we bought from uh, was it Shumrick and Lee's, the uh, distillery right. that's over, and I think he has a brother that that um, has a winery that's out in California, and he gets a shipment of and a whole whole big truckload of them at a time. So I was able to pick those up at a at a very good price, I thought. 
But uh, they are red wine barrels, and some of them are what, what are called interstaved. Now, most wine barrels themselves are not charred like whiskey barrels. So we have to make, and our, our idea is to make a beer that it would not have quite a, a roasty flavor to it in order to bring out more the oak oakiness right. of it rather than the, I, I, the charcoal of it. I think Saison is always the go-to for people when they're putting it in they a They do a lot of, yeah, it's fruited Saisons and stuff like that. What, was in, the, what was in the barrel? Oh, just, uh, I don't, some type of red wine. Okay. But I don't I, know exactly what kind it was. Some of them, some of them have uh, uh, American white oak uh, barrel staves, and then they're um, chef. The phone ringing. I'm leaving that in. I'm not editing it out. <laughs> He's important. <laughs> but they have, they have uh, American oak staves, and then they only have French oak heads. They call them, which are the end of the barrels. But most wine barrels are what 59 gallons, and whiskey barrels are 53 gallons, and Beer barrels are thirty-one, so well it'll it'll be a beer that uh, will be light enough to highlight what's already in there. So, so I mean, I don't think I've ever had a barrel-aged Kolsch before, but I'm a big know. fan of your Kolsch. Hey. That might be actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how that would work exactly, but I, I I would be curious. I would think any time you're working with like barrels that were previously used previously used for anything else, I would. I would think you'd be better off and safer if you did it like an imperial strength anything. Yeah, but that's not because, as fun. Well, that's what everybody expects. I know, but, but the, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if you could pull it off without well, having it go bad or something. Well, and, and, and it, you know, it's Wood good, is so different. It's a good point, though, too. Like, you know, there's, there's, you know, if you're a Mad Tree or a, a Rheingeist or right. a Braxton or one of these places, you can kind of screw around and take a barrel and throw something stupid right. at it that may not yeah. turn out. Be like, all right, if this turns out, awesome. Right. If it doesn't, then it doesn't really matter. So different with you guys. You've yeah. had a, a very limited selection of barrels. Right. If it's not you, necessarily that we have any more or less money invested. We probably have more because they buy it at such bulk volume. But um, it's just it's more time and effort that you've wasted. Right. Not that... Not, not that their time and effort isn't isn't valuable either, but they're doing so many other things right. at the same time. With a small place like that, we really want to try and hit the home run every time. So hopefully we can do that. Uh, we have some plans on how to fill those last four four barrels, for now anyway. So we only have four left. That is two, uh, uh, two sets of two of the wine barrels. Right. We're going we're gonna to do something for that for next year's bottle release. I do know that. But I don't know exactly uh, what we'll do with the other two. Then that's uh, uh, our, our newest employee, uh, Andy Clausen, is going to take the lead yeah, we'll, on two of those. We'll snag him in a little bit, too, yeah, yeah, and yeah. try to squeeze him out get some information out of him. I would Absolutely. like to make an announcement real quick that I am having the first ever Greater Cincinnati Oreo cookie beer. Yeah? Yeah. What I is that? that? Russian Imperial <laughs> Stout, and I have the Sugar Cookie Colch. I... And that, uh huh. See is that what it tastes yeah. like? But dark. It's like no. Oreos. Dark, you're not, you're not white, mixing dark. them together, though, for the record. You no. Are, well, no, but so. when you take it at the same yeah. time, it kind of counteracts each other, and I'm yeah. like, hmm, the that's pretty tasty. Beer release. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, stranger things have happened. You never that's, know. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that's kind of what's fun about the whole craft beer thing is the yep. experimenting and the playing around, and, you know, they're. I don't encourage anybody to mix their Wrath of the Tsar with anything. I don't think you need it. But <laughs> next to another beer, I can appreciate that. Or, you know, right. I, 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 the beer blending thing is, is a, a world that I don't 
dig into that much. I've, I've had a few that are pretty good. But well, uh, next to each other. I, another friend of ours, uh, Peanut uh, right. Kales, or Knails, or whatever they call it, whatever his last name is. I just know him by Peanut. <laughs> Peanut. <He's, laughs> he loves that. It's okay. We, we love Peanut. Uh, he uh, he does. He's a master of mixology. Right. He really does a really good job of blending stuff together. Now, uh, to his, um, not all of his mixtures come out to where I like them. Although it, it's neat to try. You know, he'll he'll blend all kind of things together. He's been doing that for a long time. So, so let's let's talk about the tap room here. Oh, um, back to that. Oh, we have about uh, the last Yay. show that we were here was like a year and a half ago. Yes, and yeah. we were in the same room, but it looked very different. Very than it does different. Now. Yes. Um, you guys, you know, we mentioned there's now 13 taps versus mm-hmm. the four that were there before. Correct. The brew house is a little bit bigger. It is quite. Uh, we went from uh, about 12 gallons per batch to five barrels. So about 155, 160 gallons at a time, which is really not. It's not a big uh, system to most people. It was big for me and still is. So, But we have the same size fermenter, so we, we brew one day. Uh, a week, and then we keg one time a week, and then we just brew, you know, once every week for so we get four out of a month. So, so the, it's good. The, the plan is not to get much bigger than this. Well, it, I mean, fermenters. We can always maybe. use yeah. We we can always use more fermenters. Um, Paradise North, but, <laughs> but uh, Paradise I mean, OTR. It, it, <laughs> The, the idea would be that uh, we're fine where we're at if things happen. I mean, I, I didn't think I'd even be brewing on a five-barrel system now. So it's just the way things work out. I, I, I mean, we can certainly go bigger if that's the way we want it. If, if we have the, the people who like the beer enough to where we can go bigger. Um, but it doesn't mean I want to you know, immediately go into a 15-barrel system or well, anything like that. And we talked, I think, that last show. I, I should have gone back and listened to it, but I, I, I remember a conversation talking about growth and right. how it kind of changes things and how it does. as soon as, yeah. you, as soon as you're making X amount of beer, you've got to get it out there. You've got to either do it yourself, right. which you guys do not have a huge staff here. Right. It would be very hard for you guys to self-distribute on any large scale if Correct. you're talking about a 15-barrel or something. Right. Or you got to start digging into that evil side of distributors and, and letting them handle it. Yes, that's a it's it's a kind of a real tightrope that you have to walk yeah. with, with with growth and with. Well, the it, I, the the percentage of what the distributors want to take from you right off the get off the bat is to me unruly. It's a, it's a, I'm sorry for any of those guys watching out there, but or listening to us, but. That well, especially that percentage that they want to take like from Ohio, that, where cow. you can self-distribute, it's it seems crazy that the distributors do as well as they do. Yeah, yeah, but well, I know they have a network of people already lined up, ready to put their beer out right. there, and so on, and and that's fantastic. That's what you need when you have bigger equipment. But uh, they charge quite the fee to do that. To me, right. I mean, they you have to brew and be on a a scale to where you can feed that monster before you start making any money back. Right, they do, I mean, it's just just so so big. So I'm I'm so glad Ohio has not went the same way as as Kentucky, and we can distribute ourselves. Uh, and and I I don't I mean with a little five barrel system, I don't need to be everywhere. Five barrels, five miles. There you go. Well, there you go. That's a good 
I just I just want some by. over in Fairfield of Jungle Gems. That's all. I just I just need a keg there. Just to, I don't even care which ones you send. I just, Why I am just I need at, a keg. at the Eastgate? Eastgate, but that's, that's again the other right. side of the universe for well, me. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there's inner inner store transportation you between Eastgate and Fairfield. I don't think there is. I, I really? think there. I I mean, I'm sure there can be, but I'm pretty sure they operate very. Well, we deliver sausage cool. to Eastgate and Fairfield. You just let me know if you can get into Fairfield, and I'll take your vehicle. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. I'll find out. So, I mean, how do you how do you kind of you know we talk about that tightrope of growth? How mm-hmm. do you how do you play on that line and and know how much you want to push yourself without going too far as far as what this is. Most of the time your body tells you that because of being a very <laughs> physical job, you pretty much can figure that out pretty quick. But uh, it, it's really, uh, I don't know. To me, it's its how much time that I want to spend in the brew house here. I mean, I'm spending a lot of time here now. I would think if we just got busier I w- or bigger, I would be busier right. in here and I would have absolutely. I mean, I don't get out much now as it goes, but... Um, I do try and come out to the special events, but I unfortunately didn't get to go to the big sis over at Braxton the other week. But, um, I mean, I, it, it pretty much tells you how much you can do. And and you have to... That's, that's the best answer I think we've gotten for this. <laughs> I mean, I, it really does. I mean, it, there are times where I, I mean, I just <laughs> go in the house, you know, get comfortable, and I wake up with the TV on. I mean, I just don't even remember going to sleep, and then I, all of a sudden it's still on, and I... Time to go to bed. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. Okay. <laughs> so it your body will tell you what you want to do. Now, another thing you have to weigh it on is how much you want to do yourself and how much you want to hire out. That's also an expense for a business that, with adding people, they, yes, they help you out in so many ways, which is fantastic, but there's a price to pay for that, too. So, again, if you're dealing with distributors or taking more money out of your pocket, you may not have the, you know, the capital Right. Uh, held back or be able to make that back in order to hire a whole bunch of people. Yes, you can get the the college kids that want to work for a summer or something like that for you know hopefully a little over minimum wage. But I mean, but you get that kind of work. You're not necessarily there's, buying a guy that's or, you know uh, hiring a guy that knows what. There's what's a going big on. difference in walking into a tap room and yeah. having some college kid who just you know is, is bartending right. basically, right? Yeah, and pouring you a beer versus somebody exactly. that either made the beer or right. just just makes beer on their own or or even understands how it's done. That's right. that. I mean, they most of them you know don't even. I, I won't say most of them. I will say a lot of them don't don't take the time to learn the process. Although it probably can be easily done, it would be a very good thing for them to know. Especially working at the place, but right. it's interest. You know what I'm saying? It's well, I'm only going to be here three months. I don't have to do that. <laughs> so, if you got a distributor, right. how far would your beer go out? Just regionally, locally? It doesn't have to. If you have enough to feed the beast, it can go, it can go coast far, to coast huh? really? if you wanted to. Yeah, you. There are there is paperwork that you file uh, with the federal government that allows it to pass over state lines. I, I myself am only selling in Ohio. I don't have to have that kind of paperwork for the feds, but uh, but absolutely, you can go as big as you can supply. Now, normally, what they'll do is they'll they'll go to the most populous regions, like you know, you'll go here to Columbus, from Columbus to Cleveland, and then you, you go in. Not necessarily every little store in between, but you'll hit the high points. So if you look at a place like, like Ryan Geist that distributes, I mean, I guess Rivertown probably distributes the farthest as far as locally, but right. you, 
you see them in cities, not necessarily, hey, we're distributed to mm-hmm. you know, Pennsylvania. It's, hey, you can Correct. get us in, in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia or wherever it is. Right. It's, it's, they, they find these, these pockets that they think their beer will sell well. And yep. you, you, you go there and you go there and you go there. And it's, but, but the distributors keep all that information for them and they'll set it up. I mean, all, all you have to do is brew, brew beer, get it to them. And they are, it's quite the machine. They want more. They want more. They want more. And unfortunately, <clears throat> what sometimes happens too, and I knew it was happening uh, to Scott, the follower, oh, yeah. that the distributors were demanding so much beer that he was having to rush through it a little bit, probably more than he wanted to do that. And then when he says, well, I'd you know, rather keep the quality up and not distribute to all these places, then, he, then they start backing off his brand and well, that's terrible and and i don't want to speak out of term with scott or anything but i know when he did kind of scale back to hamilton county yep um it was still very easy for me to get his beer in butler oh county. yeah 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 and i asked him about it and he's like well, it's stagnant you know i i there's right i i asked them not to but right. at the end of the day they've got it and they're going to send it wherever they really want to send it correct and, Correct. It's it's a whole other kind of beast when you start dealing with not that it's good or bad, but it's, right. a, it's just a whole other type yeah. of yeah. side to your business. It's it's hard to well their their job is to sell beer, period. Right. That's it. If you can, if you can't feed that animal, don't even go to the zoo. Don't even sign on one. You know what well, I'm saying? And, it's, and it's, there's something special about a place like Paradise or well, a yeah, place. Place like Dog Bear, so. place like Fibonacci, yeah. where it's it's a neighborhood place. It still has that feeling. Good. Even if I can't get your beer in Fairfield, I'm okay with it <laughs> because this place is so special. Okay, Tony, get to work now. Come on. It's your, <laughs> I think contract here. brewing is the next wave for you know places like this, where you can take a a franchise operation that's local, and we won't name names because well, we've already discussed right. a potential target. But <clears throat> you know. You've got a restaurant that owns five or six locations. They don't have a specific beer that's identified with right. their brand, but yet they can easily take and come over here to Jeff and say, hey, this is what we're looking for. We'd like to create a beer that does this, 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 and this, and right. we want to call it our beer. And then he has the ability to produce that beer on a regular basis, and it's just in this marketplace. Right. And I think that's going to happen more and more and more with smaller places like Paradise. Right. Know? And I think I- it's great because then... You know, one of those franchises happens to be over in Fairfield. So, right. Well, <laughs> there I mean, you go. <laughs> you know, if I walk into a restaurant and they've got a beer with their name on it, you know, immediately that's right where my attention goes. Yeah. I can I can drink a truth or a psychopathy or whenever I want. And I, but if I'm walking into a place and there's something different and something that I can only get there, right. That's right. And where I I'm think going. for that restaurant or that chain that's thinking about that, they have to let people know where that's from. Yeah. yeah they can't hide that saying, hey, you know, it's it's brewed by, you know, whatever. I mean, they should yeah. say, you know, and, and that's part of the marketing aspect that comes out of it, you know. They right. can say, hey, Paradise Brewing brews this for us. It's our beer. And it's only here. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, it's right. kind of, it, it's the same philosophy we have when we do our sausage, you know. I mean, today you can only pick up, we only made 12 packages. Of the infused Wrath of the Tsar sausage, it's a unique product. You can't get it anywhere else. You can only get it here today, you know. And I think it's cool like that because it's, it's you know, a unique item. You can't find it anywhere else. Right, right. So do you see the restaurants pairing that beer with a particular exactly, and that's the next uh, thing. Yep. food item? Yep, they will still, do that. Still my biggest pet peeve is that there are not enough places where I can walk in and order a Brew City sausage 
and get that sausage with that beer at yeah. that same time. Right. Like I feel like so many places are just missing this whole idea right. that it could be. Yeah. There's only four. I, 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 <laughs> I, What's taking them so long to catch up? I have no idea. But right. you know what? Right. It's all right. I like the four that we have. <laughs> well, so let's let's kind of. Um, Jump topic. Well, let's let's take a break, and then that'll help us transition into talking about you, Chef Tony. I know we, some we beer. Just, we, perfect timing. <laughs> I know we talked to you just the other night at Big Sis, but I don't think we really got a good chance to dig in and talk about what you got going on. So we'll be right back. Cincy Brewcast is the voice of Cincy Craft. There's no need to be uptight. Beer, beer is about having fun. The dream, the dream is definitely the fact that we went from homebrewing in a garage to where we are today, right? That is, that is the dream. Where we go from here, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to figure out as we grow. Uh, we, uh, and we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Can you have more fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> Listen to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollow. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Submissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Hi, this is Mike Stokes from Cincy Brew Bus. Cincinnati's craft beer scene is growing, and we want to take you to those locations. Here at Cincy Brew Bus, we love to introduce people to craft beer here locally in Cincinnati. We have an amazing craft beer scene. We have lots of routes to choose from and a lot of different places we can visit. Cincy Brew Bus is Cincinnati's premier and original craft brewery tour. We're the number one rated tour for breweries on TripAdvisor. We're the number one rated food and drink experience on TripAdvisor. And we're also the number two total tour overall on TripAdvisor here for Cincinnati. At Cincy Brew Bus, we provide a VIP tour experience for the novice and for the expert craft beer drinker. We like to take you out, show you how the beer is made, tell you about Cincinnati's rich brewing history, and at the same time, have fun, do some trivia, and drink some locally made fresh craft beer. I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest to be harvested. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that crap beer crap. But I <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brinkhouse, the voice of Cincy Craft. We're back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We are, of course, still at Paradise. Um, 
I still can't figure out how you come back from a commercial on a podcast because I know people aren't tuning into the show. Like, I know that I don't have to tell them where we are, what we're going because they were probably already listening just two minutes ago. They probably fast forwarded through that commercial. Didn't we are back and we are live. And, Paradise we've, and we've got Andy Clausen now. How in the world have we managed to not have you on the show yet after your stint at like how many breweries? <laughs> uh, this is my. We've, Fourth stop. We, we've had your wife on the show. We have not had you on the show. <laughs> well, <laughs> Go these figure. things happen. Let's before we get to talk about some more of the things here and some more of the things with you, um, Chef Tony. What's going on with Cincy Brewbots or um, Brew City Brats? I gotta, well, I gotta get better at that. That's all right, man. Brew that's City Brats. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, the Cincy Brewbot. When we first started, it was you know Cincy Brewbots, and we changed the name. Um, where we make everything, we make everything downtown at Averblay Meats. And, um, you know, once we became federally certified, that allowed us to go across state borders. And so now we can go into any market across the country. And that's what, uh, that's what our objective and our goal is to do. So we've been working hard on getting distribution, uh, not just in Cincinnati, but throughout Ohio. And I'm kind of happy to say that we finally broke you know, broke that barrier, and uh, hopefully in the spring, by springtime, we'll be in uh, every IGA in the state of Ohio. Fantastic. Yeah, so our product will be available. Um, and then that gives us the ability to work with breweries, right. you know, all the way up in Cleveland, in Columbus, and Dayton. You know, we'll be able to pick and choose beers that, that match well with, you know, and the breweries that want to, you know, get behind making something that's theirs. Um you know, who does a good job of that is Warpwing, you know. Right. Esther's Little Secret with the, you know, and partnering with brands like that. Braxton does it with, you know, Graders. That's the kind of thing that we're looking for, you know, is to get in with breweries that want to create something that's a product of their own and using, you know, a recipe that we, we, we develop well, with it, that beer. It showcases a whole other side of a beer that I, I, I don't think people appreciate it enough. As soon as you bring food into the mix, it it has the ability to... You take you take a, a beer like this, this Wrath of the Tsar. If you are lucky enough to be here today and snag one of those packages, you will. F- if you pair them together, it, it helps you pull other flavors out of the beer. The beer helps you pull other flavors out of the sausage. It just goes back and forth. And what's funny about the the darker beers, like the porters and the stouts, is people won't buy them off the shelf. And the reason being is because the beer actually turns the meat black. And so people look at it in the package, and they're like, oh, that's got to be bad meat. And so they won't buy the package. <laughs> I like the darker beers better than the, the, the hot beer I do, beer too. Ones, I do, too. And, and, you know, you can't get that perception over people's eyes. They always say that you eat with your eyes first. You know, and, and honestly, when you look at it, it does. It looks, it looks black. You know? Well, and I, you know, what was it? Burger King came out with, like, that black Whopper or something a couple of years ago where yeah. the bun was black and the meat was black. <laughs> yeah. Everything was black. and. You I saw didn't how buy, long that I lasted, didn't buy right? <laughs> <laughs> Not very long. <laughs> uh, so, in Cincinnati, people can find the sausage. I know both Jungle Gems carry it. Right. Uh, Party Source, do they have some? Party there? Source just picked us up this past year. Um, you know, you can get it down at the um, uh, Gabbroth and Vine. Um, there's a grocery store down there that's all you know local. And they got one up here on Beachmont Avenue as well. But they're available here at this uh, location, Paradise Brewery, Craft Point and Mason. I mean, we put them around where it's relevant to beer. Yeah, Bad Tom's got a cooler down there. 
you know, we put a freezer in, in the breweries. You can get them on the menu, like you said earlier, you know, at, at select locations. Rivertown has them on their menu. Mantree Catch Fire has them on their menu. Um, I've been plugging away at Sons of Toil out in uh, Mount Orb that they need to get with you because they've got this really great outdoor space with grills and all kinds of stuff. And a little cooler of beer brats that would, would be, nice. be kind yeah. of brilliant there. Yeah, I mean, we're totally open. Working with anybody that wants to try something, you know. We take the beer, we ask them what they put in it as far as the ingredients, and then we try and match our ingredients to, to enhance the profile of the beer, and, you know, that's what we do. And if anybody's ever wanted to come down and see what we do, you know, we have a sausage-making class once a month where we, you know, are open to people that just I want to come down and see I don't it. know if I can go behind that curtain. I don't, I don't know if I'm... Uh... It's not as bad as you think. It's not a con. It's not a slaughterhouse floor, you know. It's completely different nowadays. And everything's handcrafted, you know, micro-batch, so it's, you know, it's a very clean environment and, uh, you know, just the process of doing it. People don't... We had a guy out here today that, you know, he goes, man, I just had that hot meta of yours. He goes, that's pretty damn spicy. He goes, how do you guys make that? And I was like, well, on our YouTube channel, if you watch the video... I said, we cut the pork and butts up, we add the fat in, and then you'll see on top there's habaneros, ghost peppers, and jalapenos. And it all goes down through the grinder together and comes out, and that's what you get, you know? It's <laughs> and you guys have uh, cheddar worst. We do have cheddar worst, which is, you know, Wisconsin cheddar. Um, you know, if there's a, we, we take videos of every time we make something. Like the hardline cider that we did with uh, March 1st. The funniest video I think we have is... Five of us are standing around in this big old tub of about 50 pounds of sausage that's already been ground. And we're sitting there shaving off lime zest off of these limes into the mix before we put the beer in it, you know. And that's just to give it that lime flavor, right. to add to the lime cider. So, you know, we try and give that beer the enhanced flavor, and it's the only white brat we make. And it came out amazing. So we're looking forward to 2018 and helping them, you know, brand their brand on our packaging, but it's a product that when you taste it, you get lime zest, you right. get lime beer, and you, you taste it. You know? it's like pair it with the actual the beer or the cider. I cannot right. tell people that enough. If you go and get those uh, dry lime brats, get, a, growl- the cider. get, get a growler or a six-pack of the cider, too, because yep. it, it just it opens things up into a whole new yep. world. It does, it does. Um, so people can check you out, social media, Brew City Brats. Um, BrewCityBrats.com, I assume. BrewCitySausage.com. BrewCitySausage.com. Yep. There we go. Um, Quality. You know, check it out and buy them, eat them. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a commercial? <laughs> buy them, eat them. <laughs> um, Andy. Yes. How are you? Good. So Thanks for coming out. Well, thanks for having us all out here <laughs> and for uh, for helping to create a beer that I think, I don't want to say it's the best Imperial Stout, because there's a lot out there, yeah. but in Cincinnati, a lot of good it, stuff. Uh, right now it definitely ranks top five easily, well, maybe you. even a little more than that. I um, appreciate that. I it raises the bar a little bit for what you guys have to do in the future. Oh yeah. Um, let's let's before we start digging into that, let's let's talk about you and your journey, how you ended up here, okay. because you've kind of bounced around to a lot of places. I don't know how many people know you and know kind of your story. Okay. Um, so. Does, well, Does it start at Mount Carmel? Yeah. I mean, I, I was a home brewer before I uh, worked at Mount Carmel, and uh, three and a half years at Mount Carmel uh, in the tap room and then also in production work. And uh, then I was at Old Firehouse for a little over a year as an assistant brewer. 
And uh, then, of course, it was at Blank Slate until that ended. And, uh, yeah, it started with Jeff back in uh, early October. And uh, just the idea is to help him move forward and, you know, make everything better and uh, get some new ideas. And uh, I think Paradise is coming up. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be here and happy to help him out. Well, it's it, Paradise is one of those places you talk to breweries in Cincinnati and there are so many places like oh yeah like I, that's that's my spot that's where I go because it, it somehow manages to still feel like a neighborhood bar but have really great beer like it's really hard to kind of again we talked about earlier but towing that line of how big do you get without you know exploding into something else sure. it, well, it, and we're attracting more and more local you know fan base here and right for I was actually a just another customer here before I ever worked here and uh, it's nice because I do live in the neighborhood, uh, but I keep meeting people in the area who I don't know, but they're like, we didn't even know this place was here. And, you know, it just makes sense to go to your local place and, right. you know, support it. <coughs> so what do you think that, you know, what, what unique kind of thing do you bring to what was already going on here? I mean, you know, Jeff is a, is, is a brilliant guy already. Sure. How do you how do you add to that without? Well, I use all my various experiences at the previous three places I've worked in the industry, three, as well as three very different places. Yeah, all yeah, very there's... different. Uh, <laughs> you know, a little bit of my uh, home brewing ideas, and uh, you know, Jeff does things the way Jeff does them, and I'm just trying to. If he asks me something, I'll you know give him a good suggestion or. If he says, well, I don't know what we're going to do here, then I'll tell him what I think. You know, and it just kind of helps everybody, you know, the rising tide will lift all boats, as it were. I, I wish more people felt that way. I feel like we're, 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 we're losing <laughs> sight of that sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> Chef Tony, I'm sure we could uh, dig yeah. into a few things with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That might be the motto on the outside, but you know what? That's not really how it works. <laughs> it, it, uh,. Cincinnati is is a a very strange city. I think when you look at it, you know we've got some really fantastic breweries, and I, you know, the more I, I look at it, the more I realize that. Agreed. Um, and everybody loves to talk about how much they love each other, and then you get those times where you catch these glimpses, and you're like, what? What, did, you, did you just say that? Did you? Are you? You're really doing that to that person? That you should know, be a whole that. podcast all by itself. Yeah, yeah. it's early, hard to get guests for that show. It was pretty a lot more fraternal early on, I would say. I have to have like four like voice disguisers or something, and have all these. Yeah. Well, we got 38 breweries now. Uh, depending on how you look at it, more yeah. than that. I mean, okay. they're. I think forty approaching fifty, right? Uh, yeah, we're, we're we'll be at fifty by the end of the year, I think. I, although you know, you want to, so I, I had to knock Lockland, Rivertown off of my list the other day. Mm-hmm. The uh, brewing license is no longer in existence, so for that location, yeah, we'll okay. see what happens with that. They say they're still remodeling. Okay, uh, Lindsay, Jason, I'm going to be coming for you soon to squeeze you for some answers. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go. You've worked for four different breweries. Is there a particular system you like better than the other one or that's easier to operate or, or gives you more flexibility? Uh, they have all been very different. Yeah, they, um, I, I would say that, you know, when I was at Mount Carmel, 
I was not brewing there. I was in production work, but I watched my friends Jared and, and Virgil do a lot of brewing. And that similar that system was somewhat similar to what we had at Blank Slate, whereas the thing in Old Firehouse, that was an engineered brewing system and kind of like what they use at Taft's. Right. And uh, both, I kind of think both sides of that coin have their own benefits. I kind of like the upscaled homebrew system. You kind of seem to have more control, but then... It's a little more work, though, too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a lot more manual. But, you know, an engine, Which I think is why Jeff hired you personally. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Get his money's worth. But, you know, the engineered systems are a lot more push-button, and things can be easier. But, you know, when something goes wrong, that can create a situation that kind of rolls down the line and causes other things to go wrong. Where if you see something going wrong in a, in a more of an upscaled kind of a homebrew kind of system, you can stop it right. and, and fix things before anything really goes bad. Um, but, yeah, they've all been very different. And, uh, you know, I, for me it's been good experience seeing it all and working on the different, you know, you have options then. You know, you can work on all these different setups and uh, just kind of exposes you to everything. So... I know that at one point I talked to you, probably at Mount Carmel, and and you talked about you know, I, I just I want to brew, I want to mm-hmm. I want to get into that, I want to I want to I want to be on you know the, the brew deck, and I want to be making beer, right? And so, you know, as your kind of journey has progressed, you just I you see more and more of working towards that till you you know get here, and that's the you know you you've kind of nailed the right kind of mix of that here, right? Um, I assume this is not a, a, a stepping stone to get into somewhere else. No, that's not my idea, no. I was talking with Jeff, and, you know, he said, well, did you ever think about working here? And I said, well, I hadn't really thought about it. But uh, I, I didn't I, think I, you guys were hiring. Yeah, I, I, I don't really, you know, go from one place to the other. I just kind of like to dig in, improve the process. You know, you should be able to learn something or improve something every time you brew. And... That was really what made me want to brew on this scale commercially instead of, uh, you know, I still do homebrew with a couple of friends occasionally, but usually when the day is done, you're not going to want to then go and, and homebrew. Right. But, uh, yeah. How true. Well, I mean, let's let's get into kind of a, a, a different type of conversation. Then why not? You know, let's talk about Cincinnati as a whole and talk about, where things are, where we think things are going, as far as the brewing community. I, you know, we, everybody likes to say that places like Paradise, you know, these neighborhood spots, smaller brew systems, are where things are going. And yet, every place that opens up seems to have a 15 barrel system, a 20 barrel system. Signing with distributors pretty quickly. Right. right. It doesn't seem like they're shooting for a neighborhood vibe. You know, like. Well, the money side, I think, yeah. of the business, you have to go that route. So, but, but why is that what we're seeing? I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day about a brewery that opens up, you know, funded by the people that are in the brewery and not bringing in lots of outside investment and you know, lots of bank money and things like that. Breweries that are neighborhood spots, you know, you don't see a lot of these big money, and I hate calling it that, but these big money breweries that last beyond five years or so. I mean, we, we, we you know, mm-hmm. whether or not, I mean, obviously I don't think that Madry and Ryan guys are going to close down at the five-year mark and, and, and be no. done, 
but they're still young. They're still like this. They're still, but I think they're, you they're have, still young breweries. I think you have to look at it. Just picture yourself looking at a Google map. It's a geographic thing. I right. think you have, like I said earlier, a five-barrel system, five miles. There are probably 400, 500 places where Jeff can have his beer on tap in a five-mile radius right. right around this brewery. So you got a five-barrel system that can probably handle that, putting out six stools, putting out half barrels to different you know locations. And really, if he's going to be self-distributed logistically, that's what makes sense. Be within that five-mile radius because, you know what, I can take my beer to that place and be back here in 15, 20 minutes. <coughs> If you look at, you know, the bigger places, geographically, now you're in the, the 275 loop of Cincinnati. Right. So now you have thousands of different locations, tap rooms, tap places, uh, gas stations that have tap, you know, porn growlers, I mean, growler stations. I mean, there's thousands. So you have to have a bigger system. And going into it, if you're going to have that 15-barrel system to supply within the 275 belt, you have to have that much quali- quantity in order to do that. And if you're self-distributed, that poses a big problem for you because I know I deliver my own product, and it's a big problem for me. Right. Logistically, you know, sure, I'd love to partner with somebody that could distribute our product and get it out to every place and all in one day at one time. That'd be ideal. But they want to take, like Jeff said, 30% of their profits, 40% of their profits to do that. So well, if you look at it geographically, I think that's where you're seeing your brew systems. How much capacity am I starting with? And what is my objective? Am I going to stay local? Am I going 275? Am I going Columbus, Dayton? Am I going Louisville, Lexington? You know, I mean, that is, that's how your business model has to be, is how big do I want to go and where do I want to go? But why do you think we're getting these places just over and over that want to to be bigger? Even some of them that you look at these brew systems and then you talk to them, and they're like, oh, no, we're, we're a neighborhood place, and, and it, it doesn't. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. I mean, Andy, you've you've worked at very different types of of models as far as um, distribution or yep. no distribution. You know, in a place right. like Paradise goes. I, what? Where are we going? Like, what is what is this this overall picture? I I couldn't tell you. My own theory is. I mean, everybody likes the you know buy local, be local, drink local thing. That in in regional too. Whether it be with beer, you know, food, ingredients, whole cuisine. But I think some people, if they're building something that's more than 15, 20, or 30 barrels, they feel compelled that they have to get a distributor. And it's not always that easy. I mean, the distributor takes a fair amount of money away from you. And it's just not always easy to keep up with, you know, what they expect out of you. Right be able to make enough to supply everything you got to do and i think a lot of people are going back to the idea of we'll make what we can sell locally or in the region like tony was saying keep it right around where you're making it and uh, for some people that's going to work with their business model you know for others they built this big thing they feel compelled they got to go first in their region and then statewide or more i just i can't imagine walking into columbus or cleveland and pulling out a growler of paradise beer and trying to sell paradise beer to somebody in some bar in, in Cleveland. Like, I, sure. I just, I, you know, how do you, and we've got these places. I don't think Jeff would want that to happen. No, and and, and I'm using so. them as the example. You right. know, clearly, they wouldn't want that to happen. But there are breweries here in Cincinnati that 
are kind of neighborhood names and neighborhood places that uh, there's even a couple people places on the other side of town yeah. don't know about them. There's a couple places right. right up the street that should have his product on their tap, and they don't. And it's not for lack of trying to be, you know, on their tap handles. It's just that they have a philosophy of whatever they have. So, you know, if you don't want to be on our tap panels, and we've approached you several times, I mean, there's no reason in hell that this Wrath of the Czar should not be on the street or tap panels right up the street. No. I agree with that. Well, yeah, then we can't drink it here. They'll take it all. <laughs> I'm just saying that, there's, you know. There's only like 15 gallons of it on draft. <laughs> and there's less than that now. You know, there, Mug club know. members the other For night. For me, it's a, it's, a, it's a blockage on the, on the side of the people that own the facility or the venue. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to look at what's going on in the whole system, you know. I just, I, you know, people talk to me a lot about, you know, where Cincinnati is going and what does what is craft beer in Cincinnati now versus in five years. And I just, I, I can't get a good picture of what it is. Like, it just, none of it seems to make a lot of sense to me of, of what this bigger picture looks like. And I just I don't know if it's just a, a bunch of people that are just really focused on on. I think this is I think or, this is the route to go if you want to make, you know, money in the long run is having your local neighborhood pub that brews their own beers and just do local I mean, distribution. You know, look at Brink and they're you know they're within their first year now and they Gold you know, metal. Extremely neighborhood focused, not a big brew system. They're getting some beer kind of out to some of the places in Cincinnati that want it. Gold medal at GABF. I mean, like, it, that's the model to me. Yeah. And yet you have X amount of places that are rolling in these big, you know, 15, 20 barrel brew houses and already talking to distributors before their doors are open. It just it, it, it blows my mind. I can't figure it out. Well, and I, I don't think people always look at. There's only X amount of shelf space available. You know? <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah, you know? and Johnsonville. <laughs> you, you walk around and, you know, as far as like, you know, local bars and restaurants, a lot of times, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I think they tend to hyper focus on two or three of the bigger right. local makers. Yes, they Because do. that's kind of the end thing, you know, and going to those places. Every, every single bar I went to up in, uh, in Columbus this week. Had Ragnarok on tap. Every single one of them. There were places that did not have Columbus Brewing Company on tap, mm-hmm. but I could get Rheingeist. That, I, Not that I don't want Rheingeist to be there, because I do, because I'm Cincinnati. But it, I just can't. If I lived in Columbus and I walked down to my neighborhood bar and it was Cincinnati taps, I'd be like, well... It's marketing. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's how it is. The, the, the capacity of the establishment, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go into Yard House and you walk around that whole bar... They've got a lot of taps. Well, your local Roses isn't going to do that. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about marketing. It's about marketing and putting first who you want to put first. You know, if let's just hypothetically say that Jeff signed up with a Stag Narrow or somebody like that. You heard it here first. Jeff has signed up with no, Stag No, 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 no. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> Rewind. Let's just hypothetically say that he does that. Jeff can only produce so much beer out of here. Right. That and he referred to it earlier. If you want to produce more, and they're down your throat asking for more, and I think maybe Scott ran in the same situation with Langsley. If you want to maintain quality, you need to maintain your brewing process at your speed, and that's that's it. And if you sign up with a distributor, and all of a sudden they're pushing you to go in here and go in there and go in there, you have to start cranking this beer out faster than what it should be cranked out, and then you're starting to lose quality. And if you're a brewer, 
that's the last thing you want to do. You do not want to give that up. So I think what he's doing right now is just right. I just think that more of these businesses surrounding him, there's no other brewery out here in Beachmont. None. Well, I mean, if we go up the street, but in Beachmont, there's not. He should be on all the tap handles up and down Beachmont Avenue, supporting him as a local business. Well, and if, if you look at when, when the Dewey started down the street, you know, that was, there weren't a lot of other breweries here in Cincinnati. And when you went to places and you were looking for craft beer, a lot of it was Mount Carmel. You saw Mount Carmel places. You saw those growlers in your grocery store, you know, because it was local and because people were into it. Like, there's just, there's a lot of people vying that was a for passion that, far vying before for its time, I think. Now. You know what I mean? I think that was a passion that was far before its time. I, I, I think if you I think would, the industry caught up with him. I think if you would talk to him today, which hopefully we'll be doing that here in the near future, I think he wishes he was a size like this now. I think that this would be the type of atmosphere that they they would enjoy. You know, it's. I mean, you go back to Sam Adams, you know, for example. I mean, there you have who is considered by the media, I guess you'd say, the the, the grandfather of craft, mm-hmm. and look at where they're at now. Twisted Tea. So where they're at now. That's the moneymaker. <laughs> Twisted Tea and Angry Orchard and what, what else? They have some kind of sparkling water, booze, something or other. I mean, like, there's this. That's a whole other ball game there. That's yeah. a whole, All these businesses evolve, you know. You, well, you mentioned Mount Carmel. I don't think Mike ever thought he would be making a uh, fruit and flavored, you know, infused beer. Blueberry Blondale. But it's been very lucrative for him. I actually think the first time it was tapped in the tap room, I don't think he knew it was being tapped in the tap room. (laughs) Which we hear that too. You know, Listerman's a good example of that. Mm -hmm. If you told Dan Listerman that he was going to be making a hazy IPA (laughs) named after somebody's pet, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You go make my smoke Bach. You know, like that's, that's, you know, I don't think he would have pushed for that direction either, but it evolved into that. And now I think he's okay. No, I mean, when, when a viable, you know, revenue stream presents itself and you've got a segment of your customer base that'll take it, then... It, you got to fill it. Yeah. So that, that you know, talking Glisterman and, and New England IPAs, what's what's the opinion there on uh, the New England IPA? How do you guys feel? The hazy? The, well, hazy, not hazy. What was, was the other it? one that they had just put out? Um, you like them? Don't like them? I'm a total IPA guy. I am. I could, you can give me double IPAs all day long, and that's like my favorite. I don't know what it is about the taste and the flavor of them, but, you know. But you're talking like a big West Coast bitter kind of yeah. double IPA. Yeah. Not I a, mean, I like I like a strong IPA that just, you know, when I drink it, it just kicks the back of my throat's ass, you know, when it goes down. And I love that. That's just my flavor profile. It's not for everybody. But there's only a few of them in town that have actually done that. There's a few of them that are, you know, on different coasts that have done that for right. me. But I can't get them in this market. You know? And when they do become available, I'm, I'm Johnny on the spot. You know, I'm right there to pick them up if I can. Right. And that's all I can get, you know. I haven't had one here in Cincinnati that's really just blown me away yet. And I've really... The IPAs are overdone, according to, you know, everything that you read and everybody that talks about them. They're like, oh, it's just another IPA. It's just, no, it's not another IPA because I've had an IPA that's really, really good, and I've had all these other IPAs that say they're really good. 
closest thing that I like in this market and, you know, that I will have in my staple refrigerator is psychopathy. I will drink it, you know, yeah, all day I, long. I, I like psychopathy, too. And it's consistent. That's what I enjoy about that beer is it's always consistent. It doesn't matter what, when I buy it, what time of year I buy it, what can I buy. It's always consistent flavor. I like that. I can enjoy that. Where does Six that, of them does me well. Where does that put you on the haze train? Is it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, though? You 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 talk about these big I'm, I'm, kind of IPA. I don't think that necessarily describes a New England style. Hazies kind of have a lemony back note for right. me. You know what I mean? And I don't I don't really like that. I like that full forward hop. You know, triple. I mean, I could if you could set me at a, a, a hop yard. You know, and I could just eat hops off the vine. I'd probably be pretty happy. Hops and jalapenos, right? Hops and jalapenos. <laughs> Andy, what about you? Uh, Hayes, yay or nay? I mean, I've I've had some good ones, you know, and I think of probably one of the original really good ones from up east. You know, you think of like Hetty Topper or something like that. I mean, they and as far as color goes, I mean, I've seen them where they looked like almost like dirty dishwater, yeah. all the way up to the they looked like pineapple juice, you know. And I've enjoyed a few of them. Um, I do like ones that are closer to, to Heady Topper, but uh, some of them are, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, something that a lot of breweries feel like they have to reach for to do because it's popular elsewhere, and right. it gets a lot of press. From from, and I'm not even going to ask you about hazy IPAs, old man, because I don't even think you know what I'm talking about. I don't <laughs> said like he, I'm real hoppy anyway. So he knows his beer, but he doesn't really know his beer. <laughs> I don't think he's ever stood in line for a uh, New England IPA in his life. Um, what do you guys wish there was more of here in Cincinnati being made that that people aren't doing? Whether whether it makes sense to make it or not, I. Well, you know, a, a lot of people feel compelled to because of the way the market goes. You got to play the seasonal beer game. Or, you know, the kind of a holiday beer thing and whatnot. And that doesn't leave a whole lot of time to do other things. Um, you know, there's, it's kind of like mathematics or music. Kind of whatever your idea you're doing, it's all been done somewhere before. Right. But you just kind of find a new arrangement for it, you know. And, Simpsons did it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I would go with the rue. Uh, the brewing processes that are kind of rare. For example, <coughs> last year I never even knew an ice box existed. I didn't even know what an ice box was. But last year during Bockfest, we had the chance to work with a guy who won um, best of show and best uh, best best bop for Bockfest. I don't think you can do an ice box legally in Ohio, can it you? Was, I don't know if you can. But what I'm saying it was that think. that kind of a process is is something that's intriguing to me because I never realized that how you make it and how it's actually made. And then when we tasted it, I'm like, wow. I was like, that's totally different. I've never had anything like that before. So I, I, we talked uh, very briefly at the Big Sis show about uh, cider and, and talking about ice cider. I don't know if you were sitting down with us at that time. but So I, one of the guys that started at March 1st, Garrett, left and went to a place up in New England that does these, these ice ciders. And... You know, traditionally, this is getting way off topic. This is we don't even talk I'm about sorry. cider. I mean, cider is not beer. Um, they take the fruit. You know, traditionally, this was up in in Canada. There's some species of apple that grows on the tree and hangs around way longer than it should, as it gets cold and stays ripe, even as the temperature starts to drop really low. 
So they would pull these apples off the tree as it was really cold outside and, and press the juice then, and the juice came out real thick and, like, syrupy and stuff because it was so cold. And then they, they ferment that, and it creates this whole different kind of... Si- it's, it's this whole world that I had no idea even existed. That So it's like yeah. a collaboration beer. Between the apples and the... <laughs> well, I mean, no. I, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's, Infusion collab. When I say collaboration, it's like a collaboration of different products come together all right. in one in one, and that's what you're turning out. But so it's somebody just to the, drink. The, that the process of it. That that that. What I thought was really weird cool idea was what, of doing that. I think, um, is, I think Mark Mount Carmel did last year was with the uh, maple syrup from oh, yeah. the Farnham Reserve or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And I thought, you know what? That's really cool because you're using. You know, local maple syrup coming out of local trees right out of a park that you can go to, well, and, and, and you're infusing it in a beer, and you're putting out a product that I can go and buy. And it's like, that's pretty cool because it's all 100% local. I right. like that. Fibonacci, and I a lot Fibonacci loves doing stuff like that, too. you got to give them a shout-out when you talk about that. And there's Fib Farms, which I know you're going to hear more about that this spring, I think. Um, lots of growing their own stuff to be used in the beers. Uh, my favorite story that kind of goes on that same topic, I was at Urban Artifact sitting there talking to Brett about some kind of beer or something, and Josh, kind of, one of their brewers, Josh, stormed into the room with this bucket, and he starts going on and on about peaches. Like, I, you know, I don't know what time of year it was or when peaches are ripe, but he found this peach tree growing along the sidewalk somewhere with these peaches that were ripe that weren't supposed to be ripe, and I've never seen somebody so excited. And he's like, do you think I can... <laughs> Do you think it's okay if I take them? And they're all like, yeah, man, just take them. And so then he took off running out of the room with this bucket to go get these peaches off of this tree to use in something because that's kind of yep. the way they are. They get really excited about that kind of stuff. It's that same idea of, you know. The first time when we started doing our sausage product, um, our very first venue that we ever set up a you know, shop at and did an infusion with was Urban Artifact. Was it really? Yeah. And we sent the tin up there and... We did one of their beers, and I don't even know what beer it was that we did. But I learned that they were culturing the yeast surrounding their brewery. Right. And me, I, I have no, absolute no brewing experience whatsoever. I'm like, so what the hell has the yeast got to do with, I mean, how do you, how do you grab that out of the air? I mean, how do, you, how do you do that? You know right. what I mean? So for me, that was amazing. I'm like, you can get what you need to make your product out of the air i'm like that's pretty cool shit right <laughs> yeah. i was like how do you do that <laughs> i i wish we could have a place you know rogue out, out out on the west coast has a huge farm where they grow their own hops and they grow their own malt and things like that and put them in these i don't know what they call them a chateau de rogue or something like that where it's all house grown stuff basically and i wish yeah. we could get places locally that were able to do that where they could i was totally you know. impressed i'm like really you got you got what you needed to make your stuff right out of your front yard and you cut it out of the air how'd you do that uh, you, yeah, you're <laughs> counting on uh locally uh you know pollinating and growing fruit and flowers yeah and uh you know open vats and the stuff just kind of blows in. Yeah, if you're lucky. That's just crazy for me. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I make bread. I'm well, I mean, a chef, but at, you know, at, my yeast comes in a packet. But at one time, it didn't. <laughs> you know, all of this at one time, it came from the air. It came from somewhere, and somebody captured it and then cultivated it. And yeah, you know, when I you're was brewery, amazed you know, by that process. You call White Labs to get yeast. That, that yeast was cultivated over years, but it, at one point, it was just snatched from somewhere. And like, well, this this yeast works really good for this, and then they. 
rolled with it. I was totally cool with it. I was blown away. I was like, that's that's really cool. I'd like to know how to do that. I'd like to know how you're doing that. I and I, they've they've posted a few videos here and there, kind of showing the. I wish they would do some kind of class, some yeah. home brewers in, and kind of talk about the whole thing. And that would be cool. I think a lot of that needs. To, I mean, Madtree touches base on a little bit of what you know. Got my sensory two hundred class coming up next week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're touching base, but I wish more of the breweries would actively do that kind of stuff. I wish they would teach people. You know, we're not going to show you our trademark secrets and all that, but we're going to, you know, come on in and we'll show you how to do this, or we'll show you how to do that. Or, a brewery you know. like Urban Artifact, I think, would be open to do that. You know, they collaborated with the Greater Cincinnati Craft Beer Shit Show, whatever it's called, the you know, Facebook group. Um, and they, they, they did a beer where they, they just <laughs> they took a big portion of their beer post-souring, so just that base souring that then they add the fruit for their Midwest fruit tart ales. And just gave it to people and said, here, you know, bring in your carboy. We'll fill it up with our beer. You take it home, put some fruit in it. We'll kind of give you our guidelines that we go by. Right. And just roll with it. You know, just, just giving it away to people, you know. Like, it's to kind of spur that, that, yeah. that thought process with people. And to I think that's a good, I think that's a good community uh, experience for people to just go through, you know. Just, just right. to be a part of, you know, that local brand that did that for us and, and presented that to, a, I don't know, it. it I'm not a brewer. I've never brewed anything in my life on the brewery side of things. I've learned a lot in the past four years since doing what I do. But, you know, the way these guys work and, and how they do what they do, I'm just like, it's way beyond me. I'm yeah, like, I, there's no way. I, I, just, I, I brew less and less every year that goes by after more and more places open up. I realize I don't need to go through <laughs> this. There's a whole lot of people way better than I am. <laughs> It doesn't hurt. <laughs> my my wife is a, a very big uh, wheat beer fan, and our, our last one was really good. Tastes a lot like green apples. I don't think it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, so I, so this guy right here, you know, I mean, Andy, it's I don't know him personally. We've known of each other, Tony, um, Andy, Andy, but Tony. I, you know, I I completely appreciate. Not just him, but everybody is behind the scenes. I, I honestly don't think that a lot of people that are at the breweries behind the scenes get the accolades that they should oh, I get. I agree 100%. For producing the product that we pop a cop uh, and pour in our glass. You know? Worker well, bees. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially when you start scaling up to these bigger places, you know, the Braxtons and the Madrys and the Ryan guys. Right. There is a lot of people that nobody knows their name. But it's all, just, it's all like it's a hidden secret. Nobody wants to put that out there publicly so you can see that whole process. And I'm like, why don't, why don't, why don't they share that? They share the recipes. Right. I mean, you go on Mantry's website, there's the recipes for all their beers. Why don't you take me into the brewery and take me through a day of actually brewing? Take me through the entire process of making psychopathy. I would right. watch that video all the time. You know, I would like to see what I'm drinking. How did you make that? Show it to me. You know, I think that it would be really cool to see. Not on, be. you know, I, I think marketing wise, that would be huge. I think. So, if anybody from Madrid is listening, well, go. I think Steal we should, that idea. I think we should <laughs> just follow Andy and Jeff and figure out how they made Wrath of the Czar. <laughs> The of course, we got to go back. We got to go back eight months. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a couple people standing around with their hands on their hips, staring at a barrel. You think it'll work? <laughs> Talking about the right carbonation level, you know. Um, I've been in a couple of times where Jeff has shaken up the little thing. Uh, what do you call that? The, the alcohol meter. 
Oh, yeah. The, yeah, uh, the CO2 volume meter, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what is that? You know? I mean, for me, I'm just completely ignorant. So... Well, I, I think that that I think is, that kind of stuff, if the craft beer business wants to bring in new blood, they need to show that process of what we're doing. You right. know, this is how you do it. This is this is what this is called, and this is why we do it. And, I mean, you can go out there on YouTube and, and, and pull that in, but, you know, it's from a brewery that I have no interest in from right. a, some other state and some other market, you know. But if somebody here locally did that, I'd be like, oh, cool. That's how you do that. Well, it's and you know when you you know just taking a tour. I, I know the tour here at Paradise is probably a very short one because you can sit right here and kind of get <laughs> kind of get the whole thing. You can just kind of point, but um, you know taking a tour, even if you've been drinking out of place forever, if you if you're a diehard Rheingeist person and you've been going there since they opened their doors and you've never taken a tour of it, do it because you you, yeah. you do get kind of a, a peek. You know, you don't really get to see that process if you were following it the whole time, but. Yep. You, you get a peek at, at all of these different parts that go into it from the from the brewing process to the distribution side. I mean, Rheingeist is a fascinating one because they do self-distribute so much of their beer. Well, one of the things that we went on last year was the Brewing Heritage Tour, which yeah. is why we chose them to be the benefactor this year from the Brewers Open right. You know that I helped promote. And when we went on, I never knew you know all the history. I, I had no idea that there was like 164 breweries in this town, you know, prior to prohibition. And I was like, really? So from the river all the way up to here, there was that. I mean, it was pretty much every building all the way down was a bar, right? A brewery, a bar, a lot of saloons. Mm-hmm. And then when we hit prohibition, you know, everything disappeared. And then we, the tree shook, and there was only five or six left. And those five or six faded away, and we ended up with two or three. And now those are all back. <coughs> you've got your Hudepole, you've got your, you know, Moorline, you've got all the ones that were big back in the day, they're back. And I think that's really cool. And now <laughs> there's 48 others. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and like by the end of the year, you'll be at 50, and who knows what yeah. 2018 will have in store. And, well, guys, I um, that's a show. That, that, that does it for us. <laughs> Because I need Glad a beer. Glad we could help. I, I see Justin standing there, and I need to order a beer, and I can't because I'm talking. I didn't even get to talk. You okay. can talk. Come on in. What do you want to tell people? <laughs> Come on in. Um, big thanks to everybody here at Paradise. Andy, you know, Jeff, Justin, for making sure that we don't get thirsty. Um, thanks for coming out. This this beer, if, uh, if you're listening to this and you didn't get a bottle, you know, call them, see if they have a couple left. I doubt that they will by the time you hear this, but... Um, this beer is incredible, and keep your eye on social media for um, the next bottle release. And if you haven't been to the tap room, mm, come to next? the tap room. I mean, uh, this place is is a special place. And um, God, I wish we could get over in Fairfield. I wish we could get a tap at Jungle Gems. So Jungle Gems, if you're listening, why don't you get this brew bus to create that tour for you? People, process, profits. They they could do it through Sensi Brew Bus. And- that might be kind of fun yeah. for people. And people is where it starts, I think. And, you know, you always say that the craft beer in Cincinnati is such a great community. And you know what? It is. It is. I mean, it, it starts with people like Jeff and Tammy. It starts with people that are behind the process. And you know what? If you put those two together, the profits will come. And I think these guys realize that, you know. And there's a lot so of them too. that do. So... Like Marcus Lemonis, he always says that, people, process, profits. And there you go. I think it's people. 
I, I think I think people above all else, 100%. I, I guess I shouldn't say it. The process is pretty damn important, too. But um, Thanks, guys. Hey, I, think, I think that does it for the show. Um, we'll be back next week. I don't know off the top of my head what the uh, topic is, but we'll be talking about something beer-related, probably. Beer and probably, sausages. Probably, uh, probably talking about beer in Cincinnati and uh, probably drinking something. Um, follow us on social media. Share the show. Rate the show. All that stuff. Uh, follow Paradise. Check out what they've got going on. Follow Brew City Sausage. Uh, BrewCitySausage.com CincyBrewBus.com Our sponsor. I can't thank Mike and everybody there for uh, for sponsoring the show and being uh, my favorite sponsor right now. Thank you guys. Cincy Brewcast. <laughs>